Good evening. Hi, good evening. I was just realizing that these episodes, you know, recording these podcast episodes, now that we've started the school semester, it feels like we're in a race against the clock a little bit for my energy levels, or at least my circadian rhythm. I'm like so tired. Yeah, we got to go to bed. Of the day. We got to go to bed. I mean, not real bed, more like couch sleeping. Couch bed. Yeah. Couch. Temporary couch nap. Yeah. Location. But yeah. It's better to be inside than outside right now. It's bitter cold outside. It is. It's getting yeah. a little bit better. It's nice to have some some warmer days. And by warmer, I mean like 12 degrees, not sub-zero. Double digits. Double digits. Let's I'll, celebrate it. I'll take it for now. Yeah. Good. It feels, it's so weird how that happens where your body just can tell that 13 degrees is warmer and it's like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, no, this is good. And then eventually it's not good. Yeah. We've got our winter skin on. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to the green of spring as always. Yeah. But I am kind of excited about how long the snow has been here. And Me too. that the snow will persist for a little bit longer, yeah. looks like. Because we don't often get long snows. Right. And so what's annoying about that is I didn't do a good job cleaning off the sidewalks mm. and the driveway when it first snowed. Because I, I usually figure, ah, I'm not going to worry about it because it's not going to be here very long. But this time, mm. it's going to be here for about three weeks. And... And we stayed in for that first snow. We weren't going places, so it didn't feel important to scoop anything. And then that kind of hardened. So you're good. It's okay. I agree, though. It's nice to have snow after snow and kind of see it again and Mm -hmm. again and see it persist, even if it's definitely... Hassle for travel, hassle for walking around, carrying girls. I think that's much more normal for our northern friends Mm -hmm. than it is for us Mm -hmm. here. Usually we get the snow and then it melts off pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. then we get more snow and then it melts off and we get more and it melts off. So it's nice to have it. Yeah. Like you said, kind of stack, stack up a little bit. Yeah. And like the um, open spaces look beautiful when you look out and it's just snow. Yeah. Yeah. In the open spaces. You haven't you you can't tell that I have neglected our yard for several seasons in a row <laughs> right now. It looks like this uh, is our favorite time of year because great. we don't have to care this is great. about the lawn. Right? Yeah, no, it's doing fine. It's doing <laughs> fine. It knows what it's doing. <laughs> Just taking a nice little nap. Mm-hmm. Which is what we should be doing. Yeah. And that's kind of part of our topic tonight. Not it napping is. necessarily, but but just kind of the cold yeah. and the quiet. Yeah. That's what we're getting after tonight. Yes. People are rightly nestled in uh, to some into their homes mm-hmm. in, in the cold, but but also we're getting into some new routines here. And this is this can be a difficult time of year for a lot of people. It can, you know, historically, or I guess the the media likes to remind us that people drop off their resolutions around this time a big chunk of 
the population that made resolutions will stop pursuing those. And that's, you know, take it or leave it. But basically it is this challenging season where maybe you are dealing with sickness. Maybe you're dealing with cold weather. Maybe you have interruptions to your routine because of either or both of those things. Uh, But we also don't have a ton on the calendar to anticipate or look forward to. The the holidays are past for the most part, and unless you are a Chiefs fan watching the playoffs, you really don't have a whole lot <laughs> to keep you, you know, entertained or to keep you in the flow of of uh, joy or or you know time with other people. So it is. It's a time where we we must persist, and we often see a long road ahead at this point in the calendar yeah. for. At least those who, I would I would think winter is a big factor in that, but I think probably just in general, people struggle in this time of year. Yeah, we're in this season of the the world itself is in a season of desolation, and so it's easy for us to fall into that season of desolation with it. Yeah, desolation sounds like a pretty serious word, <laughs> and doesn't sound like a great time. And it's desolation, not a great time, not a great. Yeah. Put that on a bumper <laughs> sticker. It's not a great time, <laughs> but we are here. And if we're going to enter desolation, then we might as well learn how to be desolate. Yeah. And so that's what we're getting after tonight is, yeah. is here in this season of cold and quiet. It's okay to be desolate. And there's a way to live that, um, that piece that might involve pain. It might involve sorrow. It mm-hmm. might just involve um, loneliness or any of those things. There's a way to embrace that, to live through that, that deepens your holiness, that deepens your inner life and, and that um, kind of makes you grow as a person, makes yeah. you into who you're meant to be. Yeah. Yes. And so how we bring in the great work of Tolkien tonight, we think we're going to talk a lot about the trek to Mordor um, and just how that relates to this desolate experience. Yeah. And specifically the trek in Mordor Mm. bringing in Lord of the Rings is always the, is, is always the, the thing we're after is say it again. Bringing in the story is always the thing we're after, you know, is exactly kind of, we, we sit down and we think about these topics and we, we say like, okay, where where do we see that that truth on display in the work? Uh, and maybe that's kind of a backwards approach from how we started doing some of these things. But I think it's bringing about a deeper analysis of some of the things that we see because they didn't, they maybe didn't stand out originally yeah. to us, uh, and maybe now we're able to like pull them out of this this work. Mm-hmm. So, where do the hobbits encounter desolation? Where are they, where it's cold, where it's quiet, where they're I, alone? Yeah. Right away, my top scene from the movies is when they go to the, this is in the first movie, go to the hotel space. They were supposed to meet Gandalf. Yeah, the inn at Bree. Thank you. Yeah. And they were like, where is he? Oh, yeah. He's not here. They're alone. He was supposed to be here. He was. And that was that first encounter as a group of four, at least, with Desolation because this is not going the way it should and they feel lonely 
uh, they feel stranger, you know, to the space around them. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was my first thought. As you said, when do the hobbits encounter desolation? Yeah, I think I think there are are lots of places where they encounter desolation or being alone, yeah, being kind of out on their own. And that is when they're in the greatest peril or when the quest is kind of up in the air the most. Mm -hmm. So they're taking the ring to Gandalf at Bree. And that's the end of the road for their quest for now. Yeah. Except Gandalf doesn't show up. Eventually they reunite. And then Gandalf falls into darkness in Moria. Oh, yeah. He's he's fighting the Balrog and the Balrog pulls him down off the bridge of Khazad-dûm. Yep. And he falls into darkness. And now the it's not just the hobbits; the entire party, uh, the you know the whole the whole fellowship, is without a leader. Yeah. It is leaderless. Aragorn becomes the leader, mm -hmm. and he doesn't have a great sense of of what is to happen next. He knows what could happen next, mm -hmm. and maybe he has to suss out what would Gandalf do in this situation if he were here. But he's mm -hmm. no longer here, and so the quest seems lost in that moment where the leader isn't here anymore. They realize how much they relied on Gandalf's wisdom and knowledge and forethought and planning. Mm -hmm. And if he's not here to do any of those things, then they are lost at sea. We can also feel so lost at sea when those mentor figures fall out of our lives yeah, or when they are incommunicado mm -hmm. for some reason, or when those, um, those those people in our lives that are, yeah, that, that just tend to show us the way when they when we no longer have access to them for some reason. I think the majority of us feel that way. Yeah. Um, I think the greatest uh, example of desolation for the hobbits, though, would be in Mordor. So they've crossed into Mordor. They've gone up the stairs above Minas Morgul, the Witch King's mm -hmm. city. And they've gone through Shelob's lair. They're kind of out the other side. And now they've kind of recovered from all of that. But now they have this big, long trek. And I can't remember the exact mileage, but it's it's days and days of walking through mm. this blasted, desolate landscape. Mm. We're going to use that word desolate a lot. But that's really what Mordor is, is it is a volcanic wasteland. There's clouds of toxic gas spewing out of the ground. Awesome. It's, it's not cold. And no. it's not particularly <laughs> quiet. It's hot. It's steamy. It's erupting. There's it's bubbly. Bubbly. There's armies of orcs moving across the whole land. And they know they don't have a way to get across that land. Um, but they're going to go for it anyways. At one point mm -hmm. to get uh, to get through it, they dawn. Um, they put on some orc armor. They dress as orcs yeah. in the land of Mordor. And so they're wearing 30, 40, 50 pounds of armor. On top of Frodo is carrying this ring that is becoming an ever-increasing psychological and also physiological burden on him. Yep. Sam is also carrying his cooking gear and all of the hobbit accoutrements. And it's while they're crossing, they're essentially going the long way. If they cut the short way, they cut right in front of Barad-dûr, Sauron's tower. They will be spotted. Right. So they have to go the long way, essentially. And that takes extra time 
and they, they run out of water at one point. Mm -hmm. And there's this really interesting thing that happens in, in the books where they're out of water. Frodo is just on death's doorstep. Sam is kind of going, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And uh, they remember that Galadriel kind of promised them aid, like through the star, the vial of starlight that she gave to, to Frodo. She said, you know, when your need is greatest, you know, in, in your darkest moment, remember this starlight. And I think it's Sam who's holding this vial of starlight. And he he looks up into the night sky and all of a sudden the clouds part, the smoke parts, and he can see this star. Mm. And he calls on Elbereth. There's only like two occasions where you actually hear true, I guess what you could say, a true prayer from any of the characters. Uh, okay. They both come from hobbits. One of them is Frodo, and I think this one is is Sam calling out for Elbereth. So Elbereth is one of the Valar. She's one of these initial creatures created by Eru, who creates the world. Mm. And so there's this kind of cast of characters in the Silmarillion that are fleshed out a little bit more. Melkor, the original bad guy, is one of these Valar. Hmm. The, the you can almost think of them. They're they're really not analogous to like choirs of angels, but that's one way to kind of kind of categorize them as like you have these different levels of of these creatures okay. that are created in in the scheme of Middle Earth. The Valar are created first, and they make music with Eru uh, in order to create the world. Melkor is one of those creatures. Um, who's extremely powerful, extremely gifted, but creates his own music and it's discordant music because he wants his music to be, to like overtake everybody else's. Mm. So that's kind of the original baddie, right? His servant, <laughs> Sauron, Sauron's not even like the biggest bad guy in Middle Earth. His wow. boss is Melkor or Morgoth. Sauron, or Yeah. Or Shrek <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me just throw some... Some words that make You're no sense. You're saying lots you. of vowel yeah. sounds. Okay, I'm listening. I'm still Melkor here. Melkor called Morgoth. Yeah, is a Valar. Uh huh. Sauron, his servant, is a Maiar. Okay. Creature, uh, a step down. The Balrog that Gandalf fights is a Maiar. Gandalf and Sauron, the wizards, all the wizards are also Maiar. So they're all this kind of like that yeah, cast within the the created sphere. Sure. So anyways, they shout out this prayer. Oh, Elbereth. Mm. Oh, Elbereth Gilthoriel. It's the, it's the prayer. All right. It's the All right. opening lines of the prayer. Yeah. And uh, or what you could, I guess, say is a prayer. It's not really a formal prayer. But then all it's of a sudden, plea. it's a plea. It's a... He's got nothing else. It's a shot in the dark. Okay. And all of a sudden, bam, water springs out of a rock. Nice. Like there's a water spring nice. that he finds. And and it's seen as like there's this divine intervention as a result of this prayer but there's also this kind of like there's this intercession from this this you know beautiful elven lady mm. uh so there's this intercessory piece to it as well that's pretty interesting that is so in the midst of this desolation they shout out a prayer and they find some relief and mm. then they carry on they keep going and um <coughs> they notice 
that the orcs start clearing out. The armies, the campfires start being extinguished, and the armies of orcs start moving in one direction. Yeah, they don't really know why, and they're gonna—they're not gonna stop and ask why. They're just gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. But the, but now they have a clear path to the mountain, and they take it. And what the reader realizes that the hobbits don't realize is that because they took the long way, their timing was such that they stayed out of Sauron's gaze long enough for the free for the forces of the free people of you know gondor and rohan and and the free peoples led by aragorn and gandalf Mm -hmm. to amass their small force outside the black gate and for sauron to essentially take the bait yeah aragorn has brought this really teeny tiny force impossibly small force to the gates of mordor as a distraction yeah sauron can't really um fathom that anybody would approach his gate with such a small force unless they had the ring, unless they were wearing the one ring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Sauron thinks he's got the greatest of prey caught in the trap. The heir of Isildur, come on. He's fallen for it again. Yes. Right, Isildur fell for it, and now here Uh is Aragorn, who has Mm -hmm. fallen for it again. So he thinks he's got him, so he puts his army at the Black Gate. Mm -hmm. And so it is this almost like divine orchestrating of of the events where if sam and frodo had taken the short way they would have cut right in front of the tower been spotted the quest would have been over the ring would have fallen into sauron's hands and then everybody that shows up at the black gate to distract sauron would have been annihilated right but because they take the long way the laborious way it's not necessarily the safer way Mm -hmm. they still have to cut through these armies of orcs they almost get caught. Mm-hmm. But because they do what essentially must be done, it allows kind of the, the whole divine scheme to work out yeah. for, for the good. Yeah. So they embrace the desolation that is the 50-mile trek or however far it yeah. is. The weeks-long trek across essentially like this, this volcano landscape. Um, and there is, there, it bears fruit. Them right. doing that bears great fruit. Yeah, yeah, that persistence through difficulty pays yeah. off. Yeah, for everyone, including Aragorn, to have to go through the not knowing of what to do next. That's his version of waiting in a cold and quiet, still space, you know. So, yeah. There's we- a real act of faith there at the Black Gate, too. Obviously, mm-hmm. them not knowing, as you said, but they are shown Frodo's chainmail shirt, his mithril shirt, mm, because yeah. it was taken off of him when he was stung by Shelob and the orcs get him. They take everything off of him right. and all he has to wear are orc clothes. Well, that Sauron's mouthpiece is there at the gate and he shows Aragorn Frodo's shirt and talks about how much they tortured Frodo before they killed him. And so... Now, they truly do believe they got their hands on Frodo. They must have the ring. They're here to die. Mm-hmm. And they don't break rank. Mm-hmm. They go to battle anyways. Yeah. So there's there really is this act of faith. It's it's If it's over, it's over, and we're going to stand and we're going to die. Um, but we're not going to give up before that point. That's not what we said we were going to do. Yeah, no, good point. So with all of this... 
related to the season we're in, I want to talk about how even nature around us in the deep winter season reflects the need to stay still, to rest, recuperate. Um, You know, like you said, the lawn is doing its thing under a blanket of snow. We don't need to care about it right now. It's actually going through its own process, its own natural process that um, we don't have to fuss with. So let's take some notes from nature here. You know, let's not fuss too much about this state of being that we are in. We have this waiting period. We have some fewer reasons to get out and about, you know, even, even the weather in our part of the country is like telling us stay inside, you know, the, the sicknesses we might get are telling us stop, rest, go recover. And, and that does come with for maybe for some an impatience where it's hard to get through just for me. I, you know, it's not fun to be uh, sick. It's it's kind of, uh, I get impatient with that healing process. But, you know, so so what now is, is where I'm going? What do we do with this? And I think allowing the quiet to play a part in our life as its own season will allow us to receive the, the fruits that come at the end of that season. So just noticing nature needs a break we need a break too and even from uh, things that are delightful warm you know socializing all these good things not that you you know i'm not suggesting people stop socializing but it's just the pace natural slows down now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah natural to have less socializing with all of this at work but but there's a lot at work and this is an essential part of nature to to have a dormant period yeah 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 Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't try to fill the space is what you're saying right yeah let the space be yeah and part of that will be feeling your feelings and noticing uh challenge suffering maybe uh it's a little bit of I guess my encouragement would be live your emo life, live your best, uh, yeah. feel your feelings feel life. Feel your feelings. Yeah. It's an important thing. And maybe that produces good art. Maybe it produces some some poetry, some uh, music, some literal art, drawings, paintings, whatever, um, other creations. So I wonder if you might share a little bit from your poem your favorite poem is oh sure a good yeah time? so i think that's a very hobbity thing to do is is to share poetry and memorize poetry and mm. to to read it and internalize it and remember it and and then also to to feel it and so the hobbits are very very fond of songs yeah you know, they, they sing all the time they've got all these songs and songs are a form of poetry really mm-hmm. They're, they're an outpouring of the human experience. There's a whole artistic movement in the 1800s 
that was based on that really sprang out of poetry. Mm. Uh, other forms of art then sprang out of the poetry of this era. Um, and it was it was a reaction to the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was it was and it was rightly perceived as this period of of growth in terms of the understanding of human rights and and what are the responsibilities of government and all of those things but it was also cold and calculated and mm -hmm. rationalistic and kind of dehumanizing in a way to try and think in terms of what is best for humans while you are also yourself a human fallible to those you know those those traps those imperfections yeah. mm -hmm. is is very difficult to think that you can do that and it requires you to be very cold the reaction against that was the romantics the romantic movement mm -hmm. of the 1800s really comes out of a reaction to the cold calculating enlightenment but is also a reaction to the 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 growing industrial revolution especially in britain gotcha where you know these these factories are turning the the countryside into ash mm -hmm. and um so some of my favorite art comes out of the romantic movement and some of my favorite poetry comes out of the romantic movement um one of my favorite poets is uh, percy Bysshe shelley and he writes this poem that i'm i'm gonna read but what what they're advocating for is not detaching yourself from your emotions and mm -hmm. thinking so rationally but rather almost behaving like a child does Ch mm -hmm. children feel their emotions they're very heavily praised children for their ability to to feel things mm -hmm. react to things in the moment and really just kind of live their lives mm -hmm. they just lived mm -hmm. uh, as, as, as that's what children do they just live in the moment at all yeah. times and so they really kind of prized that about children and recognized that that was a good thing and so when these these writers are writing about they're writing a you know some of them are writing about nature some of them are writing about war some of them are writing about national heroes and legends of the past and that's what this poem is about is about this legend of the past and kind of our place in it is really what, what the poem is about is where do we fit in with history and what does it mean to be a part of history and how long does that even persist gotcha so i'll read this poem called ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Shelley. I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, yet which survive stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty, in despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Excellent. So he's pretty desolate. Yeah. Nothing remains. And, and it's just okay. There's not a resolution to that. Yeah. It's okay to just kind of like feel the, the weight of, oh man, even the mightiest of kings yeah. have their deeds worn away by sand. Um, mm -hmm. Everything in this world is passing away. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. It's like taking an exhale, you know, yep. just kind of emptying out, yep. clearing out, 
Making room for other new things to emerge. Yeah. And in that quiet, we can encounter God. You know, we encounter him at the great festivals, the great feasts, the great celebrations, Mm -hmm. obviously in those big moments, but we can also encounter him in the quiet and we can inquire encounter him in the cold. Mm -hmm. And there's this verse from first Kings that I think when we were thinking through this, like, oh, this popped into my, popped into my brain as, as kind of the exemplar of God can be found in the quiet and it's. Elijah's kind of wondering what to do next. And it says, The Lord God said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And that's where he encounters God is in the little whisper. Mm-hmm. And so this is the time of year where we can encounter God perhaps in the little whisper um, of, you know, the, the quiet and the cold. Yeah. Well, let me add to our quote party with, an, with a, a yeah. final quote. Quote party. All right. One more from St. John of the Cross. The endurance of darkness is the preparation for great light. Yeah, so we endure. We wait. We rest. And we have hope that something is brewing that will emerge. Yeah. As the light comes in the spring. It's pretty good. I think so. Hopefully it brings some hope during a time that can feel kind of dark. Yeah. Enjoy some quiet. Mm -hmm. Enjoy some cold. Take care.